Surprise, it's us. This is the Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. You only win when you maintain your dignity. Dignity always prevails. Green Book was just nominated for five of the big hit categories of the Golden Globes. Bit rubbish though, only won three of them. For what it's worth, I'm sorry for everything. In The Mule, Clint Eastwood has directed himself as an even older man on the fringes of the law. All his characters seem to just get older and older and more and more criminal. Hello, hello. My name is Kyron Wheatley and I've seen heaps of movies, but neither of those. Luckily, Vari McIntyre and Michael Campbell both have. Now we have a Village Cinema's Gold Class double pass to give away a little later on, but first up... Yeah. Some guy called over here, a doctor. He's looking for a driver. You interested? I am not a medical doctor. I'm a musician. I'm about to embark on a concert tour in the Deep South. What other experience do you have? Public Relations. Green Book. It stars last year's winner of Best Actor, Mahershala Ali, another Oscar nominee in Viggo Mortensen of Aragorn, Lord of the Rings fame. It was nominated at the Golden Globes for Best Director, Best Actor, and also won Best Comedy and Best Screenplay. Oh, and Mahershala Ali won Best Supporting for his role. And it has all of the Oscar buzz. So how is this movie ever going to live up to the hype? You know how you know that a movie is good? If you ever go to a film's Wikipedia page and under awards and accolations, it leads you to a whole other page <laughs> yeah, yeah, that has been made just to list all the awards it's won, yeah, yeah. it's a pretty good bet that it's a great movie. What's it actually about? This one is based on a true story and it's set in 1962 when this working class Italian-American bouncer uh, happens to become the driver for an African-American jazz pianist and they go on a tour of the Deep South. Now, that's going to go about as well as you think it's going to go. (laughs) It's one of these movies that it's like... The, the premise sounds like a fake Hollywood movie, but it's it's so ridiculous that this, like this, for all intents and purposes, it's kind of the odd couple, really. Yeah. The Dr. Shirley, who's played by Mahershala, is like very cultured and very refined. And Tony Lip, played by Viggo Monson, is your kind of classic, almost stereotypical New Yorker, always getting in. He's like the Italian-American living in New York. Yeah. Getting in bar brawls, uh, eating the greasy food. And the way that they play off each other is exactly what makes this movie so good. Right, so it is that like because I mean, when I first saw the trailer, I thought, yeah, this is a a pedestrian mm. film. Like I thought, mm. oh, there's not a lot. There's probably not a lot here. Archetype characters throw yeah. them together. Yeah. But then I saw that Mahershala Ali had done it as like one of the first films that would be out after winning his Oscar. Yeah. You know, so it's like, okay, there must be something to this. Yeah, and he won a Golden Globe for his performance as well. It's won three, Best Screenplay, Best Motion Picture. Mm. And while there was a lot of caricatures and manipulations of emotion, like they presented scenes where they were like, okay, now you feel sad, now you feel sorry for the characters, now you feel happy, here's a funny moment. I knew that was happening and I still didn't mind. (laughs) Kind of like the movie Hidden Figures where it is an inspiring true story but it's got a bit of the Hollywood Mm. like spit and polish on it. Mm. Mm. They've manipulated things here and there to make it work better as a film but the story is so kind of wholesome and nice anyway that I left with the biggest smile on my face. We saw it a little bit early, maybe like two months ago, Mm. and I've actually been waiting for it to come out because I want to go see it again. Because when I left, I was just like, that was so pleasant. (laughs) That was so (laughs) wholesome. That was so nice. Well, Pleasant, wholesome and nice aren't the kind of words that drive me to see a film though. That's what I thought from the trailer. I thought, oh, this is pleasant and nice, but like, why am I getting out? But then I saw all these awards. So what is it that elevates it above like a pleasant, nice film into something that's winning all these Golden Globes, nominated for, well, probably nominated for all these Oscars? (laughs) I think because it's based on real people. The writer, Nick Vallelonga, it's his parents. It was his dad 
played by Viggo Mortensen, and his mum, who's played by Linda Cardellini. And I remember seeing something where he said that those two actors made his parents look authentic and he was on set and he said the actors just portrayed his parents so realistically and I thought when I saw the the Italian family that they were so I don't know archetypal of this Italian American sort cliche. of yeah cliched characters uh, apparently that's the real deal <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's how they act that's what they do they eat pasta like that <laughs> So that's the writer. Who directed this? So this is directed by Peter Farrelly. And if that name rings any bells, it, it might be from the <laughs> 1990s when he directed Dumb and Dumber and there's oh, something about Mary. Really? Yeah. And it's the this, new Adam McKay. That's what I was <laughs> it's, it's this trend of like these directors that were making very silly comedies yeah. in the 90s and early 2000s being like, you know what? I also have another side. Yeah. I'm going to show it. And you know what? It's definitely his best directed movie, easily. Mm. The, the, like it's it's not, not Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> <laughs> not me myself and Irene. How was that? Salty. Have you ever considered becoming a food critic? No, not really. Why is there money in it? I'm just saying you have a. Marvelous way with words when describing food. Salty. So vivid one can almost taste it. Hey, I'm just saying it's salty. And salt's cheating. Any cook can make things salty. To make it taste good without the salt, we'll just get the flavors. That's the trick. I mean, take the basic ingredients. We should really get going soon if we expect to get to Pittsburgh by dinner. It's pretty restrained in how it's directed. It doesn't do anything mm. crazy like one of the first movies we watched was Hereditary and the way that's directed is like super crazy long shots and everything. It's nothing like that, but it's super restrained and just very well presented and by far it's, I'd say, the best movie he's made. Yeah, yeah, well, I think comedy directors, and maybe we've talked about this with Adam McKay and Vice before, where like they just – something about comedy where you've got to know the beat, don't you? You've got yeah. to know the beat of a mm. scene and get rhythm – You've got to really understand rhythm to make someone laugh in a cinema, yeah. particularly, you know, because you sort of lock it off. You can't change <laughs> it once it's done. And I reckon, like, directors who learn that early in their careers then go on because you can apply that same rhythm to everything. Like to, dramatic beats. To, like, yeah. Like, there's not just beats in comedy. There's no, beats in right. filmmaking in general. And if you know how to manoeuvre through them, then I think yeah. you're going to adapt well. And there are comedic aspects in this film, even though it's a drama. There are some scenes where Tony's writing back to his wife and he's pretty awful at love letters and Mahershala Ali's character takes over and he's like, no, look, you, you've got to write poetry and he basically writes it for him and there's this just cute relationship oh, yeah, between the trailer, them. that one, yeah. That, yeah, that um, brings out the best in both of them but it's, it's a dramatic beat but it's funny because one of them is failing, one of them's trying to help the other and yeah, that's where that comes in. Dear Dolores, D-E-A-R, this is an animal. As I'm writing this letter, I'm eating potato chips and I'm starting to get thirsty. And you know this is pathetic, right? Tell me what you're trying to say. I don't know. Yeah, I'll miss her. Then say that, but do it in a manner that no one else has ever done it before. Something like, uh, falling in love with you was the easiest thing I've ever done. So can I put a uh, P.S. kiss the kids? A P.S.? Yeah, like at the end. That's like clinging a cowbell at the end of Shostakovich's the seventh. 
So who should see this movie? Anyone that wants to have a good time. It's a real crowd-pleasing movie, and that is normally said as like a backhanded compliment sometimes. Yeah. But I mean that in the sense that like <laughs> Forrest Gump and movies like that where you genuinely feel... So that's the category this film is sitting in, a sort of Forrest Gump world. It's not as irreverent as Forrest Gump, but in the way that it makes you go, wow, that was a, a little bit of a journey and I'm glad I went on it. It's that kind of a movie. Yeah, something feel good if you just want to have a good time with it. Some really great music in it as well. Obviously, Don Shirley is a pianist, so there's a lot of jazz and cabaret music in there as well to appeal to you. Also in cinemas this week, so much. Mary Queen of Scots. Who wants freedom from England? Stormboy. The remake of the Australian classic. Glass. Night Shyamalan. The third in a trilogy of films you didn't realise were going to be a trilogy. How to Train Your Dragon. The third and final movie of the Dragons trilogy. Instant Family. Oh, a really great comedy starring Mark Wahlberg and Bruce Bern. But also like Bohemian Rhapsody, which won Best Film at the Golden Globes and A Star Is Born, which won Best Song and Mary Poppins, which is still in cinemas and so, 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 so many more. <laughs> it's Cinema Christmas. Like, you know, Christmas. You can hear about all those by clicking on the previous episode in whatever podcast app that you're in right now. Family's the most important thing. Don't do what I did. I put work in front of family. I thought it was more important to be somebody out there than the damn failure I was in my own home. worth i'm sorry for everything sam dolnick is the assisting managing editor of the new york times and a few years back he scrolled across a tweet that read an 89 year old man who grows lilies has pleaded guilty to serving as a drug mule to distribute more than 1400 pounds of okay 1400 pounds of cocaine and he thought to himself I'm going to drop everything and chase that story. And he did. And he published it in his newspaper. And it's amazing. And Clint Eastwood agreed and has made it into a movie, perhaps with a little embellishment here and there. There's the two categories a film falls into, based on a true story and inspired by a true story. Right. And I noticed that this said inspired by a true story. <laughs> okay. Which means that I don't have to play... Surely every movie is inspired <laughs> right. by a true story. <laughs> so the... The Hobbit might actually be not... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Lord of the Rings is a, yeah. is a basic World War II allegory, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is about, uh, it's based on a real guy called Leo Sharp, but in the movie, his name is Earl Stone and he's played by Clint Eastwood uh, and he is a horticulturalist. He grows uh, flowers and he comes across hard times and his business is failing and he gets swept up transporting cocaine across state lines for the Mexican cartel, you know, as most retirees do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this reminded me a lot of The Old Man and the Gun with Robert Redford. Yeah, I got a lot of that as well. Ago. Since I didn't really like that one, and this one is quite similar, weirdly I did like this one oh. better. I think maybe because Clint Eastwood's character is just not as smug about it. <laughs> He plays grit really well, doesn't he? Yeah, he just maybe he was a bit dumb about it as well. And I was kind of like, oh, honey, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, do you know there's cocaine in the car? <laughs> <laughs> 
So you thought that he he was just like uh, blissfully unaware at the beginning. Well, it kind of seems like that at the beginning. It took me a while to get into the head of the character. Mm. He doesn't have a lot of lines. He doesn't show a lot of emotion. And things just sort of play out and he just sort of goes along with it. So I think what kept me captivated was trying to work out Clint Eastwood's character. What is he doing? Does he know what he's doing? Sounds like a Clint Eastwood film where he directs it and then he sort of goes, yeah, and I'll stand in there for a bit too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I won't have any words. Yeah. I won't show any emotion. I'll just sort of be on camera for a bit. Well, I'm directing so much. Like, I can't learn my he's lines. Busy. He's yeah. busy. He directed another film this year. Like, he just churns them out so quickly. Yeah, in between takes. Yeah. He's got two sets, one on other side. He's like, you guys do that for a bit and while you, I'm just going to walk over here and film the rest of this scene. I don't know if you found this as well, but watching the trailer and then watching the movie, it was mm. like lighter in tone than I was expecting it to be to the point yeah. where there was funny scenes in this movie about how fish out of water this old guy is mm. working for the Mexican cartel. And it kind of almost got a little bit playful for a little while there, like yeah. kind of towards the middle, which I really didn't expect. The trailer makes it look like a real down-and-out gritty crime drama. Well, it makes it look like a Gran Torino sequel. Yeah. That's yeah. sort of what it looks like, doesn't but it? Even Gran Torino had some kind of levity and some lightheartedness in the middle of that film as well. That's a, mm. that's a good example. In fact, it's the same screenwriter, Nick Sheck, as Gran yeah. Torino. Same director, same star. Same director, same star, same writer. It's heavy themes and whatnot, sure, mm. but it does kind of have a bit of a a playful nature to it kind of in the middle of the film. I think because the expectation that a 90-year-old man who was the most prolific drug exporter in US history <laughs> is kind of silly. <laughs> so they've kind of got to go with that, yeah. right? They're just like, okay, how does this happen? It's just another old white guy getting away with stuff, but in a funny way. <laughs> Oh. Need help, sir? Oh, uh, officer, hi. You need help? Uh, no, no, I'm fine, thank you. What do you got there? Uh, well, pecans. I'm delivering pecans to my niece. And pecans? Syrup. Yeah, pecans. She makes the worst pecan pie you've ever tasted. I feel sorry for her husband, but and I feel sorry for pecans, too. <laughs> Does it ever elevate above just another fishy out of water? as you say, movie, you know, so that's a sort of classic storyline. I always find with Clint Eastwood, it's a real gradient of, of quality with his movies sometimes. And it, this falls around that Gran Torino level, I would say, as it's super well told. It's actually really well acted as well. Bradley Cooper's in this movie. We haven't even mentioned yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael Peña's in this movie. Lawrence Fishburne's in this movie. Mm. None of their names are on the poster, I noticed. Just Clint Eastwood. It's not quite a mystic river, as in like kind of, that movie was almost like a revelation of of dramatic acting. And it's not a 310 to Paris. 310 to Paris, thank you. That was pretty bad. Mr. Grover is really good. This is that kind of upper echelon Clint Eastwood. I think it did start getting a bit more serious for me partway through when Bradley Cooper's character is a DEA agent along with Michael Pena and they are tracking his movements and it gets a bit more serious there and there's some crossovers. The characters sort of meet but don't know who each other are. Mm. And there's, it's sort of grounded a bit more there. But then it's juxtaposed with these scenes where Clint Eastwood's character goes to Mexico to the cartel drug leader's house <laughs> yeah. and there's gratuitous bikini It's like models a scene out of the Fast and Furious and movies almost. You yeah, know, right. those like gratuitous kind of girls by the pool <laughs> shots and stuff like that. So you can make anything funny if you throw an 89-year-old man in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny how like we put so much innocence in old men. Yeah, that's true. When they're generally the worst. Yeah. <laughs> like old men have used to be men, right? <laughs> Famously, they're not doing so well at the moment. 
I read a theory online, and I want to give credit. It's, it's by a YouTube channel called Let Me Explain, and his theory was that this movie is kind of an allegory about Clint Eastwood's life because in the movie he puts his work before his family. He misses his daughter's wedding because he's at a flower show. In this movie he's actually put a lot of his own family in it. His daughter is played by his real daughter. Uh, his son helped him produce it. It's about a man that put work before family and now is kind of regretting those choices, and it's interesting that Clint Eastwood kind yep. of is that guy making a movie about that. So the solution is to put his family in his work. Yeah. <laughs> it's that happy medium. It, you could retire, Clint, if you wanted to. I don't know. <laughs> this almost feels like a, in the same way the old man and the gun is, it almost feels like a retirement film in yeah. some ways. He, but it hasn't been announced that he is. No, like, it hasn't been. No, no, actually, we should, don't start that rumor. It hasn't been announced that he is, but it easily could be. But it, if yeah, he it said, I'm not going to make another thing after that, you go, oh, well, that was good. You went yeah. out on a high. So who should see this film? There's a generation that grew up on Clint Eastwood films. My dad is very firmly in that generation. In Unforgiven, he was the cowboy on the edge. He's still playing that archetype. It's just modern day and with the Mexican cartel now. A bit more feel good, kind of like Green Book. I think we've gone for a happy vibe this episode. (laughs) For your chance to win a Villa Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass, go to Facebook or Instagram and leave a comment on the Cinema Group post answering the question... Since both the movies we're talking about this week are kind of crazy true stories, what other crazy true story would make a good film? If you leave it with the hashtag The Cinema Crew, you could win. Next week, you see it in American news all too often. Black teen killed by white cop. But how does that affect the 17-year-old friend of the victim? That's the hate you give. Also, much like the AFL, Lucas Hedges employs the father-son rule to star in his dad's film Ben is Back. And Hugh Jackman is up for President of the United States in the front runner. That's next week. Until then, thanks, Cambo. Thank you. Thanks, Barry. Thanks. I'm Kyron Wheatley, and we'll see you, at least at the very least, you'll hear us next week on The Cinema Crew, the Village Cinemas.